Welcome to Hustle and Pro, talking sports from youth to pro. Once again, we are in studio with our guest at Visual Learning Solutions in Frisco, Texas. I'm your host, Kelly Walker. This is a legendary episode, pun intended. It's because we have basketball coaching legend, Del Harris, with us today. I'm very excited to hear from him. I'm gonna first introduce you to one of our sponsors, and then we'll be right back and get moving with today's episode of Hustle and Pro. This episode is sponsored by Tumbleweed Textiles. Tumbleweed Textiles t-shirts, hats, tanks, sweatshirts, collared shirts, plus houseware items, and so much more are authentically Texan. Their unique designs are hand-drawn and inspired by Texas music, history, food, and fun. Find the latest from Tumbleweed Textiles online at shoptwt.com, or better yet, visit the Tumbleweed Textiles flagship store in the heart of the Rail District on Main Street in Frisco, Texas. And now, back to the show. Welcome back. Let's get this episode started. I don't want to waste any time because I have so much I want to talk to our guest about. So welcome, former NBA coach Del Harris to Hustle & Pro. Thank you. Good to be here. Well, like I said, I'm ex excited. We have a lot to cover, um, but I guess I want to start with that you've worked in basketball for, I think we're going on 63 years now. <laughs> so uh, you have a long list of coaching, you know, your experience in coaching, but I want to hear from you, like, what's the arc of that look like to you? What are, what are some of the, the highlights and the points you want to hit on that, that long 63 years? It's amazing when you throw that number out there. I spoke to a group of uh, uh, young kids that uh, Legends basketball camp yesterday, and uh, um, I mentioned that uh, I, I've been coaching for uh, you know over sixty years, and those kids <laughs> look like you know what yeah. you know because their parents are twenties and yeah, 30. they're five and, and ten no, years no, old, no. and they don't even know what sixty years yeah, yeah, you know no. is. So uh, it's. Uh, it's just you know been incredible it's not something when i were their age i would have ever expected uh, to have happened to me but uh, 1959 uh, was my first coaching and i didn't even intend to start out as a coach i would played uh, and uh, had had a nice uh, uh, college career at a, what is uh, milligan university mm -hmm. in uh, tennessee and um, I was going to be a preacher and I was going to go to a uh, seminary then th this, the next year. And I got a call two weeks before seminary was supposed to begin from my major professor in college. And he said, you know, I've been thinking about you and I think you'd be better off, uh, working a year before you go. And because uh, we'd gotten married when I was in college and uh, we didn't have any kids or anything, but it was just uh, his, his thinking on it. And he's the kind of guy that, uh, you know, if he had uh, said, well, I think you ought to join the army first, I said, well, where do I go? Right, yeah. And trusted uh, his so insight. He said, uh, but if you agree, I've, I've got a job, if, you know, for you already lined up. And it was coaching a junior high basketball team just a few miles from the college. And, uh, okay. And uh, 
I had such a, a, an experience with these kids who uh, beforehand had, had, had nothing. I mean, it, it was in a, a very uh, depressed area, you know, in the hills and, and great kids, but just no opportunities. Yeah. And uh, we just started beating up on everybody and it became big news in uh, Johnson City, Tennessee, where the newspaper was, and they had covered me playing uh, for four years. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden I had this junior high team that was scoring over a hundred points. Oh my goodness. Yeah, in six minute quarters. So wow. that would be halftime of an NBA game. We'd have a hundred. And uh, we, we only did that about four times, but only, only four uh, times yeah, of over 100. Yeah, but, but anyway, so at that point, I thought, well, I'll try both for a while, which mm -hmm. I did in high, high school. But I, I coached in Indiana High School, where I was from, not Tennessee, because that, that was where basketball was mm -hmm. the, the biggest, particularly yeah. at that time, a long time ago, as we're talking. And uh, so I coached in high school for... Uh, four years. And during that time, I uh, decided that what would be a good thing would be a small college coach like uh, my coach was, mm -hmm. who died just last year, as a matter of fact, at 95. And uh, so uh, uh, I applied for a small college job after four years and got it and ironically that was the last job that i ever actually had that i applied for or interviewed for wow and the rest was all recruiting and pulling you because they people knew who you were the rest was all through relationships mm -hmm. somehow or another mm -hmm. and uh regardless i mean whether it was my I started coaching in the summers in Puerto Rico in the pro league there. And we won three national championships there. And I was coaching against NBA, ABA, and D1 coaches largely. And one of them said, why don't you come up to the Utah Stars with me in the ABA, the last year of the mm -hmm. ABA, be my assistant coach. So I did that the next year he was named head coach of the Houston Rockets. He says, well, you, you need to come on down. Bring me with him. And so then he left and went back to Utah when New Orleans Jazz moved and became the Utah Jazz, mm -hmm. which is why they had the jazz name. Right. Not a lot of jazz going Utah, on in Utah. Utah. Yeah. Doesn't and, always make sense, but yeah. <laughs> and so um, I became head coach of the, of the Rockets and during that time became really good friends with Don Nelson, who was the coach at the Bucks, and uh, we had uh, a really good run at the Lakers, but when, or at the uh, Rockets. But when that was over, Nellie asked me to come up and be with him, and I, so I was with him uh, uh, for uh, four years, and then uh, uh, he left to go to Golden State, and I became head coach at the Bucks, and then. After I was done at the Bucks, uh, uh, Jerry West 
uh, had been a longtime friend of mine, and he and I had done well against the Lakers all the time, whether I was with the Rockets or Bucks. They and, noticed you, and, yeah, because you, because yeah. you were on the other side. And and uh, he said, well, you know, we, we got a note, maybe we want you, and so I, I went there, and uh, then when I was done there. Nellie was at the, at the Mavericks Nelly by then. Yep. He, he says, you got to come here yeah. with me. And I love it. I love how all those relationships just intertwine. And, and really, it was the foot in the door with the ABA assistant coach. You yeah. know, it's somebody giving you that first step. And it really opens the door. And then, but, but you have to be liked. You have to do well. You know, you have to have the relationships no. built. It doesn't just happen to you. So... That says a lot about, you know, what you've done. I want to go back a step when you mentioned the college. So was it Earlham College in Richmond, Indiana? Yes. Okay. I have, I just want people to know this. I wrote down nine seasons there with a 175 and 70 record. That's a 714 winning record. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, we were ranked uh, twice uh, in the, top 12 in the country out of, in those days, uh, that's a small college. There were at that time over 500 small colleges in the same grouping. They've divided that all up now, but this is, as we said a long time ago. And uh, so uh, that was quite a thing, but uh, just to put that in perspective, they, uh, they had never won more than 15 games before, and they haven't won uh, even more than 12 cents. Oh, no. And the the least we ever won was 15 my first year. Wow. And uh, so it was just a, a unique time, and, and I was able to get incredible players. I mean... Uh, I'd like to think it was just me coaching, but I, when I, I, I've saved all the stuff, you know, from all my teams. And when I look back at the, at the programs uh-huh. and, and the rosters and the rundown on every player I had at Earlham College, they had no business coming to Earlham College. They, they were so good in high school, but we were just able to get them yeah. there and, oh. Well, so at the beginning of that, though, and probably in some of the other teams you've coached, um, you're not you're not responsible for getting them there. But then as you're there and you're finding success, I mean, nine seasons in, then the recruiting you know machine starts to happen and people better players are coming to you if once they see that you're winning. So, right, it yeah. builds up over time. Plus, our players were such good characters that they were my best uh, recruiters. If I could just get a kid on campus and where he met some of our guys, they, they had a good shot of, of coming. And, and I could go on and on about how well these, these players have done in life. Uh, I mean, doctors, dentists, judges. Uh, but 
one of them ended up being president of the college. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's the kind I love of, that you know that you keep, you know. Well, I keep up, up with yeah. them. I, I love mean, that. Because that was, you know, wasn't yesterday. It was a while no. ago. So I love that you even, you know, followed them and as they grew into, no. you know, men, because that is part of your job, too, is when you're coaching at those oh. younger stages, you're 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 helping these these young boys and men grow into adulthood because they spend so much time with you, right? So that's a big part of your job. At, at a critical time in their lives. Um, that, that was you know, the whole thing after all said and done with 60 years of, of all of it. Uh, it's the relationships that were formed with the players or with certain people within, you know, the area or mm -hmm. whatever, that are the most important to, to me. I mean, we were fortunate enough to have had a, a winning record almost every year. We had a couple of years out of those that weren't. But um, it's, uh, it, that's been the most rewarding thing. One yeah. last thing. On relationships, the way I became uh, involved these last 13 years with the Texas Legends is that Donnie Nelson, mm -hmm. who was a kid. Donnie's, I, Donnie's when, son, when, right? Yeah, when or I Don, was, sorry, Don's son, Donnie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he decided to buy a franchise and he hired me to come and be the general manager from the very start. Right. The first year, we didn't even have a team. We just were getting organized. Building it, yeah. And then we've had, this is our 12th season. Yeah. So. Uh, it, I love that. It's great. I love, I love the days, like the, the Don Nelson and um, Donnie days. And yeah. one of my best friends has a dog named Nellie and Carlisle. <laughs> and yeah, um, so I, and I, so I love the legends, the whole family aspect and that, you know, I just, I love how they bridge the Mavs and the Legends and Frisco and there's so much back and forth between the it's two. It's become and, a big yeah, community it's, factor. It's really well done. Uh, Malcolm Farmer has uh, followed along the lines of what Donnie set up yep. and, and uh, he's been there. Uh, you know, he came on sometime that first year, mm -hmm. I, I believe as well. And he's, uh, he's, he's done a great job. And if I'm, so, I thought you came, you said you came on as GM. So I thought you basically were like a head coach the first year and then handed it to Nahara. Is that right? Or no, uh, how it happened, Donnie wanted me to go in and invest with him to begin with. And I thought, well, I don't know. I, I you know, I, I, I don't think it'll, you know, go. Yeah, you never know, right? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> wrong again. Uh, but, uh, Anyway, I said, but I'll, you know, I'll help. I'll be glad to, whatever. Be so involved. Just I, don't want it to be your business. I started out as uh, general manager, and it uh, uh, is Donnie's idea, though, to hire Nancy Lieberman mm -hmm. as our first coach. Okay. And she coached that first year, but then that was all because uh, her son, who's a professional player now, uh, uh, was going to be a senior in high school and she didn't want to miss out on it. Right. So, uh, you know, we hired, we had somebody else in mind to coach a really good college coach, uh, 
In fact, he's the coach at Auburn now, which is one of the top 10 uh, programs in the country. But he changed his mind late. And Donnie said, well, how about you coach our team this year? And you just have to coach the home games. Oh. He said, your assistants can go out on the road. It's a pretty good well, gig. I know, okay, you know, I'll <laughs> do it. And uh, uh, I uh, uh, did that for the year. And then uh, we had Eddie Nahara for two years and then Nick Van Axel. Mm -hmm. And then I had coached Eddie uh, actually in New Jersey for a couple of months and I went to help there one time and here with the Mavericks, great kid, great mm -hmm. kid. And then had coached Nick uh, four years at the Lakers and then two years, part, parts of two years here yeah. with the Mavs. Nice. And uh, so he coached two years and he's still in the league. He's, he's assistant coach at the Hawks now. Okay. And uh, yeah. he's been with the Memphis and the, and the Rockets and, and the Hawks and done, done well. I want to go fast forward a little bit from the coaching we were talking about at Earlham College to your NBA time too. So uh, just to brag on you for a second, make sure everybody knows. So you were the NBA coach of the year, 94, 95 season. And then you've mentioned this, but I want to give, is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and then you were at the Rockets, 77 to 83, Bucks, 87 to 91, Lakers, 94 to 99, Assistant with the Nets and Bulls, then the Mavs in 2000 through 2006 or so. Does all that sound about Seven. right? Seven. 2007. Okay. Yeah, and I was I was actually with Nelly for nine or the Bucks nine years. Um, they they just don't in the record books they don't show, but I was with him uh, for four years uh, helping uh, before I became head coach, and it just has one year uh, uh, on the uh, retirement thing. Uh, that's what they show. But yeah. I, I was with them for, for three years before. So I have a bunch of questions from, uh, from, from this little stat. In your third season with the Lakers, the Lakers acquired 18-year-old Kobe Bryant and 24-year-old Shaquille O'Neal. So many questions. We could, we could talk just about that. And I'm sure you get a lot of questions about that. But but I am curious, at the time, when you think back and that happened, do you know something special is happening at that time? Or or was it just like getting any other new players that you'd come oh, into the system? Well, no, there was, a, there was an international event, actually. Uh, we'd already had one international event in 1996, uh, the, sec, uh, 90, the, it was the 95-96 season. Uh, we had signed Magic Johnson uh, in the second half of the season, and that brought cameras and news people from around the world, literally. I mean, from Japan, from Germany, from uh, England. But, uh, Everybody's the eyes were on the Magic Johnson yes, coming uh, in midseason. Nobody thought he would ever play again. He yeah. was out for five years. And uh, he came back and uh, the, the first practice, that's what it was like an NBA Finals. Yeah, with the attention yeah. on it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, and then every game was huge. He only played the last 30 games, 32 games, uh, and he did well. 
And then, but the shift was made there to go younger. And the next year, we gave up a Hall of Fame player, Vladi Divac, wonderful player mm -hmm. and team guy. And we gave him up to get uh, Kobe's pick, who had 17 years old, never played a pro game in his life, right. obviously, and uh, just graduated from high, high school. school. Yeah. And, uh, and then we also gave up some other players to make room on the salary cap to offer enough money to get Shaquille O'Neal, who was a free agent. And so we changed our team around uh, and still we, we had won uh, 53 games the year before. And then that first year we, we won 56, but Shaq had an abdominal tear and missed 32 game, 31 games that year and we still won 56. Kobe broke his hand in preseason, well, the, the week before preseason. Of the first season he of was Of the first him? season. I don't, didn't know that. He missed training camp. He never played a preseason oh. game. The first game he ever played was in Madison Square Garden uh, after the season already started against the Knicks and um, he didn't score. Uh, the next night, uh, he, he scored his first NBA points and so forth. So it, it, it was slow for him. He had just turned 18. Yeah. And uh, the first year, he, uh, he only averaged seven points a game because he was playing behind an all-star, Eddie Jones. I had a very good team. I mean, I had Nick Van Axel and Eddie Jones, uh, and I, I had Shaq and Eldon Campbell, who was not as good as Shaq, but if we hadn't had Shaq, yeah. it would have still been good because he missed 32 games and we still won with Eldon in the middle. And uh, then uh, we had Cedric Sabalos for a time and then we got Robert Ory uh, in a trade for Cedric and both of whom are really good players, but uh, Ory was a better outside forward and and uh, Cedric was a penetrating uh, go to the basket you know guy all-star for me but uh, with Shaq now we didn't have room at the basket yeah. you know so uh, Ori made a big change in that and then yeah. the next year uh, Kobe uh, had picked up weight and had worked really hard on his game. And he uh, was voted the runner-up sixth man of the year, still playing behind all-star Eddie Jones. And uh, we had Rick Fox then come in at, at that time as well that year. And, uh, that was, and, and we drafted Derek Fisher the same year that we, we got Kobe. So we had the best young team in the league and uh, we won 50, 56 the first year and then 61 the second year. And Shaq missed 22 games that year 
and we still missed having the best record in the league by one game. And Utah had 62, and so did so did uh, the Bulls, and ended up Utah beat us in the finals of the West, and then the Bulls beat beat uh, uh, Utah. Utah in the finals. Yeah. yeah, for the championship. All these names that you're saying are just all coming yeah. back. You know, I haven't yeah. heard of some of these names in so long, and what it, it kills me that you you know all these numbers. Like you remember how many games Shaq missed each season and this and that. And I can't even remember what I had for lunch yesterday, let alone like all the, I just just can't believe you have all that locked in. That's great. I love it. It's, it's really amazing that you like, you're so tuned in to even, I mean, because this wasn't, you know, a season or two ago. This was a while ago that you, but it shows how much of an impact it's made on you, you know, yeah, having it, those guys and building that team, that Lakers team. This was but a, I love it. It was a great team. Like I say, we had the youngest team in the playoffs my, my last year. And uh, we uh, actually beat the Bulls the last time we played them that season by 20. And without Ori and Van Exel, and they had everybody. Uh, and we had beaten Utah three out of four during the season, but we couldn't beat them. Isn't it crazy how playoffs. playoffs, like regular season, you can feel good about some something because it happened in the regular season, but playoffs can be so different because it's so deep into the year yeah. with your injuries and just a few key players switch, you know, well, gone or us. something. But, or, or just, just the momentum, momentum shifts. Do you, you believe, believe in that? that? You know, that, that also... Well, experience matters. And in, in, in once you get deep into playoffs, now that was the first time uh, my guys, with the exception of Shaq, who had experienced it once in Orlando, had ever gone that far in the playoffs. Uh, and it was the fourth time out of five years that... Carl Malone and John Stockton and, and that bunch, they were a very veteran team. All their players, key players, except for one, was over 30. I didn't have anybody 30. And uh, so that was the team that went on and won three, three national championships. So that is where playoff basketball can okay. change, the experience versus the younger team. Yeah, it, yeah it that really makes did. sense. Okay, well, I definitely have a lot more that I want to talk to Dell about. So there is more coming up, but it's time for a quick break to hear from some more of our sponsors. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation and hear about some more of Dell's personal interests outside of basketball. For one-on-one tutoring for every student, all ages, and all subjects, call Tutor Doctor. They even make house calls. They provide in-home or online learning for all types and all goals. And don't forget Tutor Doctor for SAT and ACT test prep. So call for your free consultation today, 972-703-9344, or go to tutordoctor.com slash Frisco. Tutor Doctor, how learning hits home. This episode is brought to you by The Pit, performance indoor training. The Pit has three training and entertainment complexes in the DFW area that offer both indoor and outdoor elite soccer training. The Pit offers league play for co-ed, youth, and adult leagues. And for training, the Junior Academy is for ages 2 through 6, plus the Pit Soccer Academy for ages 5 plus. And goalkeeper training is offered as well. To learn more about the Pit Frisco, Plano, or Roanoke, head to 
performanceindoortraining.com. We are back with Del Harris. We're talking a little bit about um, building the Lakers in some of those early years with the team. And, you know, you talked about the young team versus some of the veterans and we about like playoff basketball. But when you're making those trades and you're knowing you're going younger and you're, you are having to sacrifice some of the veteran players that you know are good, but you are making that effort. Um, do you, at the time, even though you know Shaq and you, you think Kobe has skills to help you build your team, do you also see that as a big risk? Can it also go go bad for you and then everybody's mad because you just rebuilt a team that isn't going to work? No doubt. We, we, we gave up uh, what was a young team that had won 53 games and we, we gave up a, a key center, we uh, gave up uh, another good backup guard and we gave up our sixth and seventh players to make room, salary room. But, you know, Shaq was a, he's a, a one in a, a, you know, a lifetime player. Uh, and with Kobe, it turned out so was he. Uh, but that was, you know, a, a gamble. Mm -hmm. But um, my son Larry, who's currently assist, assistant uh, GM of the uh, Golden State Warriors, been with him for 14 years and uh, was with the Bucks for 20 before that. I mean, he's old too. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, uh, he scouted uh, uh, Kobe. He saw him play about four or five times in high school when he was the uh, head of personnel for uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, wow. And, or maybe by then he was general manager, but he, he regardless, he was. Uh, he thought he was the best young player he had ever seen. Your son had, had his sights on Kobe kind of first then. Well. <laughs> or he was one of the ones that saw it, it, him. Everybody yeah. was after Kobe. Yeah. Uh, I coached Kobe's dad. A lot of times, a lot of people don't what? even realize that. Yeah. I, the first time I ever met Kobe, he was four years old. No. Yeah. A lot of sports people ask me, what was your first impression of Kobe? I, well, I thought he was really cute. <laughs> Because he was four. He's four years old. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, his his dad, Joe Bryant. I uh, didn't, I don't know anything about his dad, so I didn't know that. He played for me for the Rockets. I was I was his dad's last coach and his first coach. I was his dad's last NBA right. coach. After that, he uh, went to Italy to play. Is why Kobe grew up in Italy. Wow. He played in the Italian League for a number of years. So you were his dad's last NBA coach and Kobe's first NBA coach. Yes. That is incredible. That's great. I coached I several. Know. I'm learning so much. I coached, I've been in it so long. <laughs> I coached several dads and sons. I had Rick Berry and his son. I had uh, Ed Manning and his son, Danny. Uh, I had uh, Tito Horford and his son, Al. Uh, I don't know, maybe That's more. I have and then you talk about your son. I did want to ask you, you know, having basketball in the family, um, did you coach your son also? Like when he was... The only time I ever coached, I have uh, four sons and a daughter. Yeah. And they all played college basketball. All? Yeah. Wow. 
And, That's uh, amazing. Yeah, wow. and then uh, uh, and all of them have taken their hand at coaching at one time or another, uh, uh, but only one of them is currently coaching, and that's my youngest one, Dominic. He coaches young kids. He gives private lessons and little group lessons uh, out in Los Angeles to uh, players out there. He's been doing it for about five years. And I love that. One day he may be, you know, in the, the pros as well. But um, And your wife. Now, I know, did you guys meet while you were both playing basketball or coaching basketball? No. Or there was some, yes. there was some yeah. basketball yeah. connection with Anne, your mm -hmm. wife, also, yeah. right? Yes. Uh, she coached high school in Houston. And uh, anyway, a long story, but uh, during the big downturn uh, back in the mid 80s that anybody from Texas uh, was alive at that time uh, knows uh, it was a, a bad time. Gas, oil went down to $10 a barrel. And uh, anyway, like I say, it's it a bad time. And, I lost everything at that time and went through a divorce and so forth. Uh, and uh, so, but after that, uh, I uh, got married to Ann and she had uh, coached basketball in, uh, in Houston. Mm -hmm. And uh, so anyway, uh, we, uh, when I became head coach of, uh, the uh, Bucks. Why? Uh, that's uh, the year we got married. Uh, so I love that. I also love that um, that and y'all have the basketball connection too. And I told her I'm going to have her on this show one day. And she said, "Why me?" I said, "I just learned that she was a golfer in college, also, right?" Yeah. And so she's got a lot of sports things to talk well, to me about too. So she, one day I'm going to get her. She's Miss Frisco. I know she is. <laughs> yes. Zeke is more time and effort. And she does a money. lot for this town, a lot for the people in, in the community. Yes, for sure. You mentioned um, when you talked about Kobe's dad moving on to play in Italy. So I want to I want to touch on the international side also of your coaching because that is a whole a whole nother side of your coaching experience. So tell me about the international resume also. Well, it started in 1969 when uh, I was coaching at Earlham College, but in the summers, I uh, was contacted about coming to coach in the Pro League in, uh, uh, in Puerto Rico and was coaching against uh, NBA and, and ABA and D1 guys, and, uh, which is the connection I made. And, but we, uh, I became the head national coach for uh, two international events and uh, we won a, uh, a gold uh, and uh, a, uh, a silver uh, in uh, international competition. It, it got me known mm -hmm. uh, internationally. Sure. And uh, so uh, then uh, again, through relationships, uh, the Canadian national team, uh, the head coach there, Ken Shields, uh, asked me to come and be an, an assistant to him for the World Games uh, in 1994 in Toronto. And then USA Basketball asked me to be uh, 
assistant coach uh, to Rudy Tomjanovich, who had played for me and been my assistant coach at Houston uh, for the World Games in Athens, Greece. So when you get that call, do you even, do you even think about it, or do you, since you know him and you, do you just say? Absolutely. Like, is that something that you no question. you just have to do, right? No question. I, I, Rudy was uh, he's a Hall of Fame coach. Could have been a Hall of Fame player, but he, he got injured. Uh, he, he's just a wonderful friend. And that's the highest compliment I think anybody gave me. Uh, uh, he could, they, they allowed him to hire one guy. As, as an assistant, and he could have hired anybody. Yeah. And I was his last coach. I mean, I was the one that had to tell him, Rudy, we're done. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, not going to resign you. Yeah, that can't be easy, but you say you remain friends, and oh, obviously then well, he pulls you back into his he, life, so. He became, he, he, he stayed and became my assistant coach. Yeah. And uh, it, uh, but, uh, Anyway, for him to ask me to do that, I mean, there's no question I would have done it. And, and, uh, and that was an experience in itself. Uh, in fact, uh, somebody tried to make a movie of it uh, for TV, and I, it hadn't been shown yet, but uh, about that particular tournament, because it was during the lockout, and we had to go uh, and perform with no one who had uh, played in the NBA. Oh, because you had to get before. other players that weren't. And nobody had, that had been drafted that year. Wow. So we, we had open tryouts uh, in Chicago. We invited about 25 guys. Some, a couple of them had played in the NBA a few years prior, but didn't make it and were playing mm -hmm. in, in, in Europe or somewhere. Well, anyway, we put together a team and nobody thought we had a chance uh, and we got bronze, and we, I think we got cheated in the Russia game, <laughs> or we would have gotten a gold. But wow. uh, and to put it in perspective, uh, that was the 1998 Worlds, and the next Worlds, the USA with 12 NBA players finished sixth. Oh wow! And it was in Indianapolis. Wow. It was in the U.S. And in the next Olympics. Uh, Rudy was the head coach, and we won in in Sydney. But uh, and I didn't go with that. But the next Olympics were were in Athens, and I was the head coach of China in Athens, and the USA uh, had twelve NBA players, and they just finished with a bronze there. So Rudy's team finished with the bronze in the Worlds, which is a harder tournament than the Olympics. The Olympics just has 12 teams and they're limited mm -hmm. to like three European teams. In the Worlds, you get, depending on the years, now it's 24 teams. You got to play a more. lot more games and, and they have all the best Euros in it. Got to get through all the Euros to you, get to the end. You do. Yeah harder tournament. Well, I hope that you said they were shooting footage of that. I hope that it turns into something. It's kind of been neat 
with some of those things coming up lately. This isn't sports related, but like the Beatles, all this footage that we're now no. seeing of the Beatles behind the scenes. That was great. Of a documentary. Made, it's so great, right? <laughs> and then like last year when The Last Dance comes out mm -hmm. and it's all this footage and I'm just, I watch it. Not only am I in awe because of what I'm watching and just the, the Jordan story, but I'm sitting there thinking, how do they have all this footage that no one yeah. has seen? And like, how do you hold on to that for so long and not get it out there or make something of it? But it made it, it ended up being worth it, right? Because of the timing and then we're all home in this pandemic and everybody oh. sees it and you get 10 hours of this story that's like bringing back all of this, you know, well, old, really got, good old memories and I stuff. Got, so, yeah. I got news for you. They, they're, they're coming up. It's gonna come up soon. Uh, uh, the history of the Lakers in those 80s, in the 1980s, the great teams that they had in the 1980s. Uh, they've cut that. And then another group has already filmed, but they, it's not in production yet. They'll, they'll do it whenever they do it. Mm -hmm. But is another one that those are the Magic Johnson years. Okay. Then they have the Kobe years. Okay. Actually, starts in 94, my first year with uh, the Lakers, and it ends in like 2006 after the, the one three in a wow. row. So obviously that footage is there. It's somebody's shooting it at the time, just oh, yeah. the NBA hoping has all it happened. You know, they like it's, everything. is there just always camera people around and, you don't even know why. When you're sitting here coaching these teams, do you even know or realize that there's cameras on you at all these random moments for some documentary or movie that might not even be shown for decades to come? I mean, do you even pay attention to that? Well, not in the day, uh, but ever since 2008, everybody's on film and everything they do yeah. since uh, the, the iPhones. Yeah, everybody's, <laughs> everybody's somewhere and, and watching. Everybody it. has cameras of some kind right. or another anyway. Yeah, you gotta figure whatever you're doing you may well be on film yeah that's a good lesson even for <laughs> for the teenagers and you know my kids anything you anywhere you go somebody's gonna post something somewhere of you yeah so so be careful um so i love that all that international experience and and you talk about china and i mean there's so many you've probably gained so many different um perspectives you know throughout oh, the yeah. world and and how the game changes and different you know, nuances of different types of athletes and things that, that you then bring back and continue building into your, you know, coaching toolbox. Well, it, it's been great. I've been on uh, five continents uh, doing basketball and, and speaking on it or coaching. And uh, I didn't even mention that uh, with John Calipari, one of my close friends, we he was head coach and he asked me to be his assistant uh, at uh, the Dominican Republic uh, national team. And uh, we did that 2011 and 2012. And uh, we finished third and fourth in uh, two big international tournaments. And um, so uh, I've been able to spend time in Asia and Europe, South America, Central America. And I learned Spanish in the process. And, so, total game. You coached the Mavs, and then we talked about you uh, really helping launch and build the Texas Legends. 
um, and you're still involved with the Legends, and we can talk about that too, but I want to know, like, why the Dallas area stuck with you? You coached in all these cities, countries, like, all over the place. Um, so why Dallas? Why Frisco? Why are you well, still here? Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's uh, a good question, and uh, it was uh, intentional. Uh, uh, you know, to give you an idea how intentional it was, uh, when I came here, uh, I was uh, 62 or two or 62 or three years old. And knowing how uh, changeable and, and uncertain NBA uh, life can be, sure. uh, one wouldn't have expected a person to come here as uh, an assistant to Nelly uh, for a new owner named Mark, Mark Cuban uh, to a franchise that had had the worst yeah. record in all sports in the 90s. Ouch, yeah. And in 2000, I showed up in, in March of 2000 uh, for the last 20 games of, of that first season that uh, Mark owned the team, only Mark didn't own it till January of that team, okay. of that year. That happened mid-season? Uh, that, that his or ownership okay. actually was finalized. Okay. He bought it, but it, it. wasn't final. He didn't move take, in to take office, it, take the office you know, until yeah. uh, whatever, January 15th or whatever yeah. it was. And it became official. Okay. And uh, so I came March uh, 14th, and we rented uh, a house in uh, Stonebriar Village uh, in Frisco. And uh, believe it or not, we started building a house uh, in that year. Start building a house in. Uh, uh, Starwood, the Jerry Jones development. Mm -hmm. Sure, you knew you wanted to put, you oh, know, be here. Well, it it seemed like a good thing to do. Uh, I we started winning right away, and uh, I I just I believed we would win. Yeah, and I I liked Texas. We had lived in Texas ten years. I uh, like the weather, uh, and I thought, well, I'd like to live in a small town, and Frisco is just about 30,000 people, and, and it just <laughs> just fit, you know, with my <laughs> idea of yeah. a small town. Then everybody came and moved here. and They heard about me moving here. <laughs> they all followed you here. The cowboys follow so you here. Follow. <laughs> and then the town gets blows up and gets big, and now it's a little bigger. But there's still enough, especially for people who have lived here a while. Still feels like a small town, some you know. Well, there are, there your, are some small uh, yeah. town factors about sure. it, uh, but it's very cosmopolitan, really, and uh, very diverse. Uh, we have uh, 60% uh, Caucasian, which. For a Texas town, that's that's pretty limited. I mean, it means you know uh, a, a good mix of of uh, all nationalities mm -hmm. and 
you know, there's something like 70 languages spoken here in uh, Frisco. And, uh, but anyway, uh, I had opportunities to go to two or three other uh, franchises, uh, but, uh, but then uh, Dominic, our son, uh, was in school and playing and uh, we, we, we liked it. Yeah. And uh, I just uh, believed that this would, would be the, the place to, to stay and liked it. And uh, we, we liked where we were, we were living and everything. Yeah. And uh, then it was too big though, ultimately. In the last 13 years, we built a smaller house. But uh, anyway, it's, it's worked out. And, you know, I became the mayor's treasurer, or Mayor Masso, the great former mayor here. Oh yes, I wanna talk about that yeah. too. And then Anne became involved in all sorts of uh, social activities yes. and started a couple of 501c3 mm -hmm. sorts of things. And yes, I'm, I'm working on something with Anne. Oh yeah, that, for... I don't want to <laughs> st steal what she, she she's No, we, yes, she's, she's great about saying, here's what I'm working on, a plan to help this group of people. Can you help? Yes, everybody says yes, because Anne's amazing. I do uh, want to mention, I think it's really interesting and impressive that you've written books um, and that you've, your history of graduating cum laude with a bachelor's degree in religious studies and then a master's in history. Um, so what, what is it that you spend your days doing now and your passions and what do you spend your own time doing now? Well, uh, part of it is getting this fistful of mail every day uh that comes in and then there's the 50 to 100 emails uh and i have a big correspondence going on and uh i have uh, a, a lot of uh, uh kingdom activities that, that i do and uh, uh involved with uh gateway church but with other uh, Christian associations uh, uh, around uh, the, the world, actually, but uh, and and involved with a good friend of mine here, who's a pastor at New Life Community Church uh, uh, here in Frisco, Little Elm, mm -hmm. uh, Border, and uh, things that he's he's done with this big lot that he has on his church grounds, 21 acres. And oh, wow. Now he's uh, put in a community center there and uh, he's put in these huge gardens where he uh, grows and they provide fresh vegetables for uh, uh, this year, the first year they've been doing the, the bins, they had uh, almost a ton that they gave away. And wow and uh, they're going to have three or four tons uh, as their goal in the next uh, couple of years uh, each. And That's great. What church is that through? It's uh, the New, New Life, Life Community Church. Okay. Uh, James Hutchins is okay. uh, the founding pastor there. And it's a 14, 15-year-old church uh, that has about a little less than a thousand members now. He's done the it's, it's a great congregation. That's a great impact. Are you preaching 
Are you marrying people? Oh, I have done that, yes, even recently. I, I, uh, I uh, joined my uh, son and his wife uh, uh, five years ago, and same year, uh, Mayor Masso and his wife. And, and then uh, last year during COVID, uh, a good friend of ours and her husband and uh, so forth. So, yeah, I'm still able to do some things. And I, I do speak some, not as much now. I, uh, I uh, kind of, as you can tell, I stumble around a lot talking. <laughs> so. We all do, we all do that. So, but you are sometimes on stage. I mean, you've, you've been on a stage of some sort your whole life talking. Yes. It's usually to players about, about basketball, right? And the strategy. And when we look at the books you've written on different, different offensive yeah. and defensive strategies and things like that. But do, you, do we find you on stages now talking, you know, preaching? And well, I, I uh, spoke a bit at James Hutchins Church uh, a month or so ago, uh, uh, briefly, but... Uh, this, most of the speaking that I've done uh, has been on the basis of the book that I wrote in 2012, uh, the book On Point, which uh, Four Steps to Better Life Teams. And uh, I, I, that, that's a book that it involves relationships mm -hmm. and, and uh, uh, unity as much as anything. Uh, and uh, just ways to be a better teammate in life and, and you're on various life teams as you you're born into sure. one and then as you go on through life yeah and, uh, so using so, the, like the analogy of the sports and teams but as it really yeah, applies to life it involves to an extent leadership but it's not the primary goal it, the primary goal is to, to develop uh, an influence quotient where you can influence others for good, uh, but you don't have to be the leader, the dominant guy, chief, mm -hmm. you know, because if you have everybody that's trying to be a leader, you can't have a team. Right. It's yeah. going different directions. Yeah. The dynamic. I love that. And it all really circles back to you as a coach that's, yeah. that's seeing the players, putting the pieces together and motivating them to do their best work, right? Yeah. 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 And I, I, like I say, I've used that, that book as a basis for, oh, I don't know, a hundred or more speeches, you know, I, and I haven't kept track, but uh, as recently as uh, two or three months ago, uh, to a business uh, yeah, it's timeless. Conference. The idea is timeless, right? Yes, it is. And we all we all need those kind of tips and pointers. So one last thing: is there anything with all this what sixty something years of coaching and on all the things that you've done? Is there something you are are yet to do that you haven't done that you still need to tackle, or you wish you could go back and do in, in your basketball life, or have you, have you done it all? Well, no, you've never done it all until you've done it all. Uh, but no, my goal now is just to finish as strong as I can uh, as, as an individual. And uh, whenever that end may be, uh, it's not too far off, that's for sure. And uh, so, you know, I'm just open to 
whatever I'm presented. I think the impact you've made on countless number of young people's lives through the sport of basketball is is amazing. I mean, I you might even know. You probably have a number in your head of how many people you've coached, but I can imagine it is a huge number. I, I don't, <laughs> as a matter of fact, but it is. But it is a huge number, and so you know the the impact you've left on the sport and on all of these players and and team and you know your coaching staff and teammates and friends that you've made along the way has been enormous to the sport. So. Well, it's been all a blessing to me, and uh, if I've been a blessing to somebody else, it's it's uh, even better. But uh, no, I, I never imagined any of this. You know, like I say, I didn't even apply for right. Most of yeah, it just it yeah. it happens as you you know as you make those paths and connections. Open. Yeah. Well, I have really enjoyed meeting you, and I love that you were able to come into the studio with us today and have a face-to-face -face conversation. So that's that was really exciting for us and my team here to get to know you. Well, that was my pleasure. You know, I, you know, what you do when you're old is talk about old stories. So We love it, though. <laughs> I love it. I could listen to you talk about them all day. So thank you for being here. Thank you. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Hustle & Pro. I hope you found us on your favorite podcast platform or if you're watching the show on YouTube. However you find us, be sure to subscribe so you know uh, when the next episode of Hustle & Pro is out. And please like and share with your friends. It's easy for you and we love seeing your feedback. We'll see you next time on Hustle & Pro.